So if you're a little person, you can get up to kids' church. If you're a big person, you might want to grab your Bible. Uh, If you don't have a physical Bible, you can grab one over there. If you haven't got it on your phone or your iPad, uh, we're going to be uh, reading from Luke chapter 17. You will find it up on the screen, but I always find it's helpful to have it open in front of you. I will be uh, delving very quickly into the Greek of the text. There's a couple of words here uh, that aren't always very apparent. Uh, what Jesus meant in modern English. Of course, he wasn't speaking in English. Uh, Jesus spoke in Aramaic. The language that he would have spoken was a sort of a dialect of Hebrew called Aramaic. And of course, the New Testament was then written in Greek, which was the the language of trade around the Mediterranean at the time. There's a few little hidden meanings in these words. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 17. We've been in Luke, we've been camped out in Luke for a long time, following our way through Luke uh, these past few months. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and uh, Jesus here is going to be teaching. Well, frankly, he's going to be giving the church, you and I, his disciples, a bit of a kick up the backside. We're in Luke chapter 17, verses 1 to 6, a kick up the backside with love and with a word of encouragement. It's a word of encouragement for all of you that have ever, well, frankly, feel as though you don't have enough faith. For anyone that feels, frankly, as though you've been made to look like fools for your faith. Has anyone ever made, been made to look like a fool in the eyes of this dying world? Hands up. I know I have. If you've been made to look like a fool in the eyes of this world, take courage this morning because this is a passage for you and for I. For all the fools in the world who would attempt outrageous, seemingly foolish things in the eyes of a world that mocks, in the eyes of a world that is ultimately perishing. That is, that, is ultimately, that is ultimately dying. Jesus, he encourages us to show just a little bit of faith, and he tells us that we can achieve amazing things. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through to 6 says this. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So, watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day, And they come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The apostles said said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Let's pray for that sort of faith. Let's pray. Loving Lord, we, like the disciples here, pray for more faith. At times it does seem as though your requirements, what you ask of us, is indeed a a weighty burden, a difficult task, a heavy calling, Father. So we pray that you might increase our faith. We pray that you might give us faith even as small as a mustard seed in order that we might be uprooting trees and planting them in the sea, seeing great things done for you, for your glory here in our world. 
in the here and the now, in the city here in Australia in 2022. In Jesus' name. The people said, Amen. Today's story is set on Jesus' long journey back towards Jerusalem. It started way back in Luke chapter 9. He's set his face, he's set his course on his way to Jerusalem for one final time. Be thinking that this in itself is a foolish act, isn't it? This act of heading towards Jerusalem, heading towards his death, heading into the teeth of the dragon, right into the belly of the beast, is itself an act of incredible foolishness in the eyes of the world. Why would you do that, Jesus? Why would you risk incurring the wrath of the Romans and the Jewish authorities? It's not going to end well. Let's not do this. But Jesus has set his course. He's on his way. And it doesn't, it doesn't finish until he rides into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey in, in chapter 19. And, and, and in this little part of the journey, Jesus has been talking about faith quite a lot. He's been have a series of little incidents where he's been talking about faith in sort of chapters 17 and 18. And it comes to a head when he arrives in Jerusalem and looks out over Jerusalem, his people, his city, and, and he weeps over their lack of, of faith. So what is this thing, faith? Faith, you know, from Hebrews chapter 11, famously. Some of you will be able to quote it to me. I don't even know what faith is. Faith is what? Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Jesus would often commend people for their faith. Very famously, he commended the faith of those blokes that jumped up on a roof and lowered their mate down so that, he could, that, he, so that their mate could be healed. He commended them for their faith. He commended the faith of a Roman centurion, a foreigner. He commended him for his faith. He commended a, a woman that had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, who was dared to reach out and touch his hem of the garment, who shouldn't have even have been out in public, by the way. Uh, he commends her for her faith. Next week, if you're here with us at CMP next week, we're continuing on our journey. Uh, we're going to hear about 10 lepers uh, in, a, in a Samaritan place, this foreigner, ten lepers are healed. Only one comes back to thank Jesus. And Jesus commends this one guy for his faith that he's in fact made him well. So whether you're a Roman centurion or a, or, or, or a faithful woman, a bunch of traders up on a roof clearing the tiles away, Jesus commends people for their faith. It stands in stark contrast, by the way, to his disciples. The guys that have been following him around Jesus often chips them for their lack of faith. Uh, you know, there's a couple of, of famous examples when they're out on the Sea of Galilee getting tossed around uh, and they're, they're, they're freaking out. He, he, he chips them for their lack of faith. And then Peter, of course, famously, after Jesus' arrest, abandons him. He denies even knowing Jesus. The disciples, despite having traveled with Jesus, seen his miracles and healings and teachings, they're the ones that struggle. And so I think that's a bit of a warning for those of us in his church. Uh, I think he saves his, his toughest warnings and, and, and toughest words for those of us who, who claim to be his, his followers. Uh, faith appears to have been in short supply amongst his followers who've been following around with Jesus. And, and today, this pops up again, with some tough teaching. Jesus starts off with some pretty rough teaching. Did you catch those couple of bits of 
instruction from Jesus in these opening verses of, of chapter 17. A couple of really, couple of, of really hard teachings. If you cause a little one to stumble, I mean, struggles will keep, people will struggle, he says. But if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better if you have a millstone. It was a great big round stone that they used to grind wheat, to, to grind grain, tied around your neck and thrown into the pit. And then he says, if your brother or sister comes and sins against you, even up to seven times a day, if they come and repent and seek forgiveness, you've got to keep on forgiving them. I reckon it'd be hard enough to keep doing it one day, just once a day, day after day. But Jesus is saying, keep on forgiving Keep on being great. And you can imagine the poor old disciples just think, oh my goodness, this is a Lord. They cry, give us more faith. Help us. Give us more faith to follow you. If that rings any bells with you, know that you're in, you're in very good company. But Jesus responds famously with his wonderful saying, guys, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. I actually bought a pack of <laughs> about a thousand this week. I'm going to hand them out. There's a few bookmarks floating around. You'll see a mustard seed. It's tiny stuff, isn't it? If you only have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mulberry tree to be uprooted and planted in the sea. Now, a couple of little things about this you might not have seen just by hearing this with our modern Aussie English speaking ears. Mulberry tree was known for its extensive root system. And the word for planting here is not just placing it in the sea. This is the, a, a Greek word. The Greek word is phuteo. And it means to literally plant something in a garden. It's the word that you would use if you were in the garden planting your veggies. It doesn't just mean uplifting it and placing it down at Bondi Beach in the ocean. It means to actually plant it and to expect it to grow and to produce fruit. Think about that for a second. You're not just placing, you're expected with even just your mustard seeds worth of faith to be planted, to grow and to produce fruit. And where? In the sea, in the ocean. We sort of think, well, it's ridiculous, and it is ridiculous. That's what Jesus is trying to see. But you might not be familiar. The Jewish people... They're not a seafaring people. They're not a seagoing people. They're land mammals, much like myself. For the Jewish people, the sea was a place of chaos. For the Jewish, the sea was a place of torment, a fearful place, an environment where bad things would happen to you. So by telling his disciples to plant a mulberry tree in the sea, he was saying, go out into a foreign environment a scary place, a place of chaos. I'm a 21st century Aussie fella who's lived near the beach for much of his life and I'm scared of the ocean. I, 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 I'm a hills boy, really, but I spent a fair chunk of my life on a stand-up paddleboard out the back of the breakers being frankly scared. Now, I don't think too many of our surfers in the congregation are here this morning. Now, even the hardcore surfers, when you speak to them, will admit to being scared out in the waves. It's scary out there. I remember one moment in particular, it'll always stick with me. I was out the back paddling on my stand-up paddleboard, 
and, and I saw a fin just sliced through the top of the water. Your heart just goes in your mouth. Because you're on edge anyway. Because your mates who are surfers, oh, yeah, they're all out. They're always out there, Pete. You're in their environment. Thanks. And so a fin comes through out the back of where he beat. And I freaked out. And then another and another. Oh, it's a pack of dolphins. <laughs> Tell you what, though. The fear didn't end there. They're big animals. When they're up close and this moment of incredible fear turned into the, one of the great moments of my life and these dolphins swam right underneath my boy. I could have reached out and touched them. But I can tell you, they shift. You do not want to be taken out by even a dolphin. Even when it's a dolphin, I was steer feel I'm in a foreign environment. And this is what Jesus is telling us to do to be brave enough and bold enough to head out into scary places, foreign environments, and attempt what the world would seem, the world would say is ridiculous. Jesus is painting a bit of a, a cartoon-like word picture for us. I mean, imagine a guy heading out with his mulberry tree down at Bondi Beach with his shovel in his hand down into the water trying to plant it. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Right? That's the point Jesus is trying to make. But like all good cartoons, there's an element of truth behind it. Like all good cartoons, it, it, it's cartoon, like it, it, it's ridiculous. But there's a grain of, of truth there. There's a little jab of truth there. What Jesus is telling us here is have a crack, church. He's encouraging us to, to have a go. To have a go at life. To not be content with the way things work. Jesus, faith in Jesus is not just a feel-good feeling here on a Sunday morning. Our faith is more than just coming along and feeling good when we're around our, our church friends or singing churches. Or, 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 or It's more than just that. God has given us emotions and we need to pay attention to our emotions, but faith is more than just emotion. And if you're the other type of person, if you're more of an intellectual kind or a right-brain kind of person, it's more than just giving intellectual assent to something. It's more than just saying, yes, I agree with what you just said, Pete. It's more than just agreeing with a certain set of principles or, or facts. Faith is actually something that moves you to action. The book of James, James famously tells us that faith without works is? Exactly. Faith without works is dead. Your faith has to be put into action. Jesus is calling us here to put meat on the bones of our faith. He's calling us to step out and to have a go. If, if you're a, a, an Aussie cricket fan, you'll be familiar with this saying, have a go, you mug. It's what you might yell out from the stands when the batsman in the middle is just blocking and not taking any risks, just preserving his wicket without scoring any runs. Have a go, you mug. This is sort of what Jesus is saying. Have a crack. Have a lash. Step out and see what things you can do through me by drawing on my strength. Church, we should be in the business of planting trees. We should be in the business of being a disruptive force in our society. Where the world zigs, we're called to zag. We should be the people who dare to stride out and attempt things that the world might think is ridiculous. I saw a meme this week from my mate, uh, the minister at Lugano 
uniting church. And it really struck me because I knew I was preaching on this this morning. It said, um, your belief doesn't make you a better person. Your behavior does. Your belief doesn't make you a better person. Your behavior does. It's all very well and good to say you believe in Jesus. But you've got to put it into action somehow. It's got to to be lived out somehow. The other thing I want you to see here about having this little mustard seeds worth of faith is that it's not the faith that's in you that has the power. It's who you have your faith in. It's the object of your faith that contains the power. You might feel as though, oh, Peter, I haven't done very well this week. I've stuffed up and and I struggle with this faith business. If that's you again, I've got good news for you. The tree uprooting and planting power comes not from within you, it comes from God. A good little analogy that I read this week is like two people about to jump on a plane. One person is a traveller, has complete faith in the engineers at Boeing and the ground crew at Kingsford Smith Airport and the two blokes up the front that are piloting the, the airplane. Exactly right. Yeah, the men or the women up the front that are piloting the plane that day. Another person is freaking out about flying. They don't like flying at all. One of these people has to be medicated before they, before they jump on board. They both get on board the plane. They both take a step of faith in stepping onto that plane. And they arrive at their destination safely. It had nothing to do with the confidence of that first person, but all the confidence in the world of the engineers and the pilots and the ground crew. It had everything to do uh, not with his own belief, but with, indeed, the expertise of the engineers at Boeing, the pilots up the front, and, indeed, the ground crew that have been maintaining the airplane. So don't think that it's on you. It's not about you, it's all about God. God is the one that has the power to uproot trees and to plant them in the sea. So friends, can I encourage us to get planting here at Church in the Marketplace? This should be our core business. Attempting the remarkable, attempting the unlikely, attempting the ridiculous is what we should be up to here at at Church in the Marketplace. And can I tell you, the little common everyday plantings work. The little everyday common planters, little acts of faith make a big difference. They don't always get seen. They don't always get noticed. But I don't think anything that you do in the name of Christ is ever really a waste. I know many of you make an effort to go over and chat to the visitors on a Sunday. I see it. I notice it. I value it. People who lead their little group of friends and walk across the room to to help somebody else out. The very existence of this church is as a result of some followers of Jesus Christ daring to do the remarkable. People who started a a Methodist central mission here, what, a couple hundred metres down the paddock here, back in the day. Presbyterians over in Charing Cross, the Congregationalists, those people who bought the gospel here, and indeed this very building that we're in now, has got a remarkable story behind. 
Various experts say, don't put this building here. Put it in the back streets. We don't want your church here. But people were prepared to take a step of faith, to swim against the tide and say, no, I'm, we're going to do this. We're going to put a church here right in the middle, on the moor, and we're going to maintain the church of the marketplace name for Christ's glory. I want to say thank you for all those little acts that you've done down throughout the years. Leading Bible studies, kids clubs, serving on committees that get things like this done. All those little acts of faith, although sometimes they might seem like a failure. Can I encourage you to know that I don't think any planting is ever really a failure. I think they were fruit in ways in eternity that we can never perceive this side of heaven. Think about it. How many times have you been disappointed with the result? You've, it seemed as though you failed, but then looking back down the track, you actually see failure back here was actually the best thing that could have happened to you. You're familiar with those times, aren't you? A perceived failure actually ended up in a, in a victory. So can I encourage you to keep on planting? Can I encourage you to, to keep on stepping out boldly with that little mustard seed worth of, of faith that you have? And if you fail, to fail gloriously, knowing that you never really fail if what you are endeavouring is done in, in Christ's name. Can I encourage you, as we step out in faith in, in the rundown to Christmas again, we're going to be out in the mall, Christmas out in the mall, people stepping out into public. It can be scary. And just being out there with the passers-by, opening ourselves up for ridicule. That's okay. We'll be amongst your brothers and sisters in Christ. That might be one way you can serve in the coming weeks and months. Or in the new year, how are we as a church going to live up to our name as church in the marketplace? and be bold enough to be planting some mulberry trees out in the sea, metaphorically speaking, with what little resources we have. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, the gospel, the hope that we have, the faith that we have, tells us it's foolishness. Paul straight up says, it's foolishness. The faith that we have in Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. For those of us who are being saved, it is the very power of God. So where they say the situation's hopeless, we say, let's have a go. Where they say, why bother with those people? Why bother with those no hopers, with those deplorables? We say, well, because they are made in God's image and they are loved by God. We Christians should be the ones we dream up exciting ideas and, and follow through on them. Planting trees in the sea is our business. That ragtag bunch of disciples who first asked that question, give us more faith, think what God did through them. They were hopeless cases, really. Uneducated men for the most part. They changed the world. That little faith they have because they tapped into the strength and sovereignty and power of an almighty God. Can I encourage you this week, and as you think about the rest of your life, to not waste it doing the mundane, to not waste it being safe, to not waste it sitting in the seat of, of mockers, as Psalm 1-1 says, 
but to step out in faith, to be bold and to have a go. Because I reckon it's boring living in safety. I want to be a follower of Jesus that steps out in faith, that has a go, that has a lash and risks failing, but risks failing for Christ. Amen? Let's have a go. Let's have a crack, church, and let's see what God can do through us. Let's join in his tree planting program, come hell or high water, and see what he might do through us here at church in the marketplace, in Bondi Junction, throughout Sydney and Australia, and indeed around the world. Amen? Let's pray. Loving Lord, we, we come before you like those first disciples. And we say, <laughs> increase our faith, Lord. Give us more faith. And Father, we pray you'll help us to see with just the little faith that we do have that, that you can indeed achieve mighty things through us. Help us to not wait until we've got everything perfected, every box ticked. Help us to not wait until we have every single little, all of our ducks in a row before launching out for you, Father. Show us where we can be brave, where we can be bold. Show us where we can serve. Show us where we can be taking a risk. Help us to be a people of faith, a people of courage, a risk-taking people who are prepared to plant trees in the sea in order that we might see your kingdom come, that your will might be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And the people said, Amen.